Welcome to the Money Wise Women Show, brought to you by MoneyMorphosis.com. Are you ready to be inspired to upgrade your financial skills? Listen to feminine leaders sharing practical advice and valuable insights. Shift your money mindset, improve communication skills, and learn financial management tips. Although we do not provide investment advice, you can check out MoneyMorphosis.com. That's Money-M-O-R-P-H-O-S-I-S.com to find simple ways to boost your true wealth. Welcome to the Money Wise Women Show. I am Crystal Arnold, your hostess and founder of Money Morphosis. There is an incredible amount of potential in humanity that I can see right now as we transform our ways of exchanging, of measuring value, as we create systems which allow us to engage in meaningful ways in our communities. And there is so much potential to bring forth the best in humanity. And there are many places and people that feel impoverished. If you measure it with dollars only, it, it may seem that way. And yet there are in, an incredible amount of riches waiting to be revealed in our communities through connection, through platforms that, that support uh, more intimate exchanges and give us a variety of ways to to connect and, and create value that are independent of, of the U.S. dollar. And so um, this, I've, I've known about our guest here for, for over a decade now. Uh, Stephanie Rierich has been a true pioneer in creating um, a, a model in which communities can begin to thrive with a regenerative economy. Stephanie is based in Madison, Wisconsin, and she is founder and former director of the Dane County Time Bank, which is a you know robust system change oriented time exchange. She's also creative director of the Mutual Aid Networks, which is a new type of networked cooperative built to redesign work. So in addition to her work in growing grassroots up, economic and community regeneration. Uh, Rierich is also co-owner of Mother Fool's Coffee House and works as a musician. So if you want to see more about um, uh, this project, you can visit uh, mutualaidnetwork.org and, uh, you know, people can find out a lot more there, watch some videos. And uh, so we're going to dive right in into... um, what, what is possible and what, what Stephanie has, has created here. Um, and so, Stephanie, let's begin. Uh, if you could just tell me a little bit more about what you find uh, most exciting about the work that you do. I am most excited about just reminding people and seeing people remember that we can really dream a lot bigger than we're used to. Um, one thing that we like to uh, ask people in workshops and different kind of settings is what would you do in your community if money were no object? 
And uh, people have all kinds of beautiful hopes and dreams that are all quite realizable. And then, uh, and then we explore, wait, is money an object? Money is not actually an object. Money is, is an agreement, and money is a means through which we exchange resources with one another. So realizing that we are free to exchange and build and share resources as we choose. So understanding that really uh, kind of takes the shackles off our imaginations. And then once that happens, we realize, oh, well, the possibilities are limitless and we can just start getting together and, and living how we wish to live. So that's what I find super exciting. Mm. Oh, such important work, especially in, in, in these days. Um, and I'd, I'd love to hear uh, if you could explain to us what, what the Mutual Aid Network is. Yeah, so Mutual Aid Networks, I and mean, first of all, I just want to um, just own up to the fact that we're certainly, like, we're not inventing Mutual Aid Networks, and Mutual Aid Networks with, you know, with as a, as a thing have existed through, well, they exist throughout nature, throughout all of time. And um, so we just uh, formalized a version of a mutual aid network. And the way I see it is it's connecting things that people have done through time immemorial and other biological systems, different ways of sharing resources and exchanging them and governing things as a commons. And um, we have tons of examples of gift economies and ways that different societies have and continue to manage resources cooperatively that are way ahead of anything that um, like Western civilization or American industrialized economy is doing. So, uh, so we see ourselves taking a lot of different models and connecting them with current um, and new ways of communicating um, and new technologies. So, the fact that we can now be connected globally through the Internet gives us new opportunities to cooperate at different kinds of scales. Um, so a mutual aid network is a new type of networked cooperative that connects sharing and time banking and different forms of stuff exchange and different forms of mutual credit and different ways to pool money and share it just connecting those in service to us having good lives and to our projects thriving. So um, it kind of is turning a lot of existing things a little bit inside out and connecting them with each other. Um, so rather than inventing, I mean, it's kind of inventing a new thing just because it's inventing a term and a formalization of a new way of connecting some things that have existed um, so we're connected in a global cooperative network called Humans United and Mutual Aid Networks, or HUMANS for short. And the idea is to use these ways of sharing resources to really build our new economy. So I can commission work from you as a podcaster. I can offer you human hours for the work that you do so you're engaging in a time banking sort of economy. Then you can use those hours to, you know, perhaps get have someone um, promote your work in, in one way or another, but we're using these kind of tools to build our new economy and commission work from each other. Realize that we're already actors creating the economy that we live in and um, by putting some deliberate um, some some deliberate action behind it and, and really learning and gaining some, crystallizing some more understanding 
of our economic life, we can really do a lot more by coming together and being very explicit about creating new economic opportunities and economic opportunities viewed really broadly. I can do the work I want to do and earn resources that that are valuable to me and they don't have to be denominated in dollars, essentially. Mm, that is so exciting. What I've always appreciated about your project is is that it's integrated the time bank with these other mechanisms to create this regenerative uh, economy and and from what i've heard it's it is one of the most successful uh time banks uh in the world and i'm curious if you could tell us a little bit more about how many people are are involved in the mutual aid networks and and i also see that you have some pilot sites starting around the world yeah, so um, the, so first of all, we were born out of the Dane County Time Bank, which has been around since 2005. And our reason that the Dane County Time Bank is considered robust and successful is that um, we, meaning us at the Time Bank and our local community, we have chosen always to view uh, time banking as a tool um, that gives us the opportunity to really make visible the real wealth of our community. I like um, in your introduction, you said something lovely about just the riches um, about, I forget what, what you said, revealing the riches in our communities or something like that. Yeah. Quite beautiful. Um, so we see, uh, we've always seen that time making could make visible the real wealth in our communities and really catalyze people exchanging it in service to things that we know we want to do. Just uh, referring back to that question, what would you do in your community if money were no object? We've used our time bank as a means to ask people that and invite them in to take action on those things. So we started seeing our time bank as a way we could kind of hire one another to do the work that we want to do in our community. So um, the flagship project of our time bank is Restorative Justice Youth Court um, that we started in a neighborhood, moved into the schools, and has really created an opportunity for system change um, because we've shown that neighborhoods and healthy communities can provide and can provide an alternative um, to help provide young people the things they need in order to get on a positive track and stay out of the the criminal system. So. Um, so we use the time bank as a way to invite people in and share your time and talent in service of creating an alternative to the school-to-prison pipeline, for example. So that's one thing. So while it's, while it's making visible the resource base and providing a means to compensate people for their time contributing to youth support, it also is rebuilding those social ties because people are getting to know each other in a different context. Um, engaging in reciprocal exchange and community building activities. And that piece of it helps reweave the communities where healthy communities are what fundamentally keep people on a positive track and keep people out of um, different things that might criminalize them a lot of times. So, um, so we also have used the time bank to run um, inclusion projects um, to really create opportunities for people with different abilities to really participate as leaders, givers, and receivers in a community context. And 
Uh, we've had mobility transportation projects, um, medical transportation projects where TimeMake members are helping uh, provide transportation to people to dialysis of kind of wellness things. So that's, that's a way that we've been successful as a time bank, and um, and we also have run up against the limitations of being a standalone project that's based on a particular form of exchange. So the Dane County Time Bank has been a sponsor of the project that turned into Mutual Aid Network. So from the Dane County Time Bank, we um, ran a research and development project pretty much um, that was looking for exactly what what I refer to, like how we connect time banking appropriately in a context with other kinds of sharing and exchange. So um, time banking it in itself doesn't really um, facilitate building a commons and building things that are freely shared. And you need to be careful that you don't connect time, bank, time banking with activities that are too commercial um, and you can't assign a money equivalent to it. So we um, we developed a framework realizing that time banking is excellent for facilitating and rewarding exchanging of things that are infinitely abundant, like care and creativity and community work and civic engagement. A lot of things that have been sort of typically in this culture identified as women's work, um, realizing that women's work is the core of community and society and, and economy ultimately, and um, there are ways to evaluate that don't commodify it, like the market economy and time making very good for that. Then again, we want things that are freely shared that not a particular person owns, we all own it. Um, we want things to operate in a gift context. Um, and then for things that are less abundant, um, we can use other forms of mutual credit that have a monetary equivalent. So, for example, my business can buy a refrigerator from another business for $2,000 worth of credit, and we pay that in goods and services so it's friendlier. We have more um, more uh, facilitation of local exchange and more incentivizing local exchange, but at the same time we pay the taxes on it. The cost reflects the relative scarcity of the thing we're selling. That's another piece of it. And then we've also learned from mutual aid societies and, and another example where there are just zillions of examples throughout human history of how people pool money and actually make the money itself available to one another. So we have sort of like an abundance pyramid where um, if you really need money, is there a way you can tap into a pool or start participating in a pool? For example, we're going to create a pool of money here that's for debt relief. So we pay off the highest interest debt first and give people a chance to get out from under crushing debt by supporting each other through it. So that's one example. Um, we're calling that version a common fund. But the point of a mutual aid network is you come together as people. Your your aim is, you know, it can be simply good quality of life for each of you. And you use all those resources knowing what one is going to be more appropriate to what occasion. So we have just tools for people to learn how to build different types of resources and how to steward them and how to apply them to making your life whole and happy and healthy. Hmm. Love that. Just uh, such a brilliant integration of uh, of being able to 
connect. And I, I feel like people are so hungry for a sense of belonging and they really want to have a meaningful contribution and, and really want to care for one another. And so much of our extractive growth based economy have, has left people feeling isolated and, and impoverished from that, that kind of dis, disconnection. And uh, I, I feel like what, what your what you've created has has really um yeah allow i'm i'm curious about stories of you know what what type of people are involved if there's a certain demographic or or how many people have have uh, mm-hmm. been involved throughout the years yeah so the so the trick is um going from our uh isolated existences where many of us are working a lot um, at jobs that don't pay enough trying to make ends meet or people are underemployed but don't have a clear way to connect. Um, Going from that to creating opportunities to invite people into action in real life. And that's uh, challenging and requires its own sort of strategy to bridge these realities. So, in the, um, the most mutual aid network pilot sites, so we have seven official pilot sites in different places in the world, and I'll say something about each of those. Um, and then we also have other uh, pilot sites, like working toward becoming official partner pilot sites. Um, and most of them are born from an organization or effort like the Dane County Pine Bank. So the Dane County Pine Bank, for example, has had about 3,000 people participate over the years of its existence, but a couple hundred people at any given time are participating. So, um, and then that's one, that's one of the, um, anyhow, that's one of the things that we're looking to create mutual aid networks is lots of opportunities for these things to replicate at all different levels and scales so we can grow and have a lot more participation because we have networks of networks, not that anyone has to get giant, but that lots of different people connect with different networks that can connect with each other indirectly. So the Dane County Time Makers had several thousand people, a couple hundred at any given time. Now we have the Madison Mutual Aid Network, and we have um, that right now has a number of different organizations that are members of that multi-stakeholder co-op. So each organization represents um, as many people as they have participating, but then people are just starting to participate in the local mutual aid network as they need to. So right now, or as we provide opportunities. So we just um, started our first um, big project on the ground here in Madison. We've been working toward opening a co-working and collaboration space, the mutual aid workspace. And so that's been a massive undertaking. So that just opened and now we have an opportunity to host really regular organizing events. So we're doing a Everywhere Gardens project um, with the Permaculture Guild as a partner, and that's going to be an opportunity for us to show what mutual aid networks can do in real life. So we're just getting that going. Um, and then we have other pilot sites. Um, Lansing, Michigan is connected with a makerspace and then the Michigan Time Bank. So like us, they're looking to integrate a number of different organizations and partners um, and use a mutual aid network cooperative structure to like help, help facilitate 
greater collaboration, essentially, provide some of the framework to do joint funding and joint projects and and um, see what we can do with these kind of uh, with these kind of tools. Um, we have Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, in Lehigh Valley. Um, there's a federally qualified health center that has taken on the time-making function that started in a hospital there, and they're uh, working on integrating it um, with other community efforts and creating more opportunities for veterans and people returning from prison and also needing to focus some of their attention on um, the opioid epidemic and how to support people um, dealing with aspects of opioid addiction. Um, we have a pilot project in St. Louis that originated with the um, the biggest people of color-led uh, time bank and is, is uh, working with the Solidarity Economy Network, connecting a number of different cooperatives, arts collective, um, artist housing cooperative, food collective. Um, so, again, connecting them across different parties. Uh, we have one in Hull, UK, focused on local food production and Again, connecting a variety of efforts. There's a, a cryptocurrency the city is attempting to launch, and there's a thriving time base there. And so uh, those are some of the examples. And we have fledgling um, networks in New Zealand and Santa Ana, California, and um, Vancouver, British Columbia. So we're, um, there are a lot of different partnerships arising, and the idea is not that we – dictate how things happen or anything like that. Um, we just agree to participate within a certain set of core values and we agree to share all of our knowledge with one another when we become pilot sites. Um, so we really want to really highlight the strengths of each site and learn from them and have the strengths of the other sites help develop whatever whatever parts are needing to rise up in each individual pilot site. Wow, how exciting to hear the the variety of ways that that this can be applied and enhance existing uh, efforts and and community organizing. And I just I feel like it, it it would create such resilience. And I'm wondering if we could talk about um, you know resilience uh, for listeners who may not be familiar with that, just our ability to respond intelligently to changes. And sometimes it can be uh, both personal uh, resilience and, and our ability to adapt. And But we can also think of it in terms of our systems and our communities and and the way that we are networked and have diversity and, and are able to respond to economic changes. Because quite frankly, I see that it is likely to have some economic turbulence in, in coming years. And uh, just would love to hear your thoughts on on how your endeavors build resilience. Yeah, absolutely. This is such a it's a big piece of it. We we've um, we've had that as a, a tagline on a lot of our presentations for the last few years, calling it "Do It Ourselves: Economic Justice and Community Resilience." Um, so, an example we're talking about making networks and networks built at different scales for different purposes. So an example 
right now that I'm particularly excited about is our Everywhere Gardens project. Or we're not sure what we're going to call it yet, so I'm calling it that for shorthand. It's grown out of this front yard gardens project that the Dane County Time Bank's been doing, and um, we're just expanding on it now. But the plan is to um, recruit everybody in a given neighborhood, um, and we're starting with neighborhoods where various of us who are really motivated live. So I'm just going to ask people on the couple blocks that I live on and work on um, who's willing to put some land into the garden project. Um, so my front yard will be in there, some uh, space at our coffee house in the neighborhood, um, some space behind another business, um, the yard and rooftop around the Social Justice Center where we've opened our mutual aid workspace and where the time bank resides. And then we're also going to be going door to door and offering this opportunity to everyone in the neighborhood. So people are going to put in land that they would like to have garden. Then the permaculture guild and other people interested in learning permaculture, they might even be able to do this as a work exchange to get certified in permaculture. So permaculture being um, a design principle, and it's not just applying to planting and gardening, it applies to everything but a holistic design principle that is strength-based takes advantage of the natural inputs and outflows of water and soil and really maximizes um, on the natural conditions and also focuses on native species and on wise companion kind of planting, but um, really uh, designed to, to be a resilient form of, of planting um, and to produce and to use a lot of perennial plants that don't need as much intervention. So the plan is then we'll do a site assessment and decide what should you know what grows best in what location, and have people able to apprentice. You can either give your land and be hands off, or you can learn how to do this, or you can agree to different levels of maintaining it. So we'll be putting more of our local area into food production and teaching more people how to do it. And then we're going to be having really regular swaps so people can come together and swap anything for any kind of food um, but start breaking down some of those barriers. Like some people who do gardening have way too much zucchini. At the, you know, there, there are always times when there are some people with, way too much of something and other people who could really use it. So we're just uh, going to implement very regular opportunities for people to exchange stuff. So if you can imagine something like that on an individual block, if we make it really easy and fun to repl replicate that, one of our goals is to make games and stuff to make it easy for people to do these things, then a bunch of blocks can be put into service to growing more food in more sustainable ways. Um, and maybe a different neighborhood decides to do their project about weatherizing each home or doing very decentralized renewable energy production. There's a lot of there are a lot of very low tech, very inexpensive ways to do these things, and we can start at a neighborhood level sharing them with one another, but then sharing that with anyone else in this global network who wants to do it. And then those things replicate as people are excited to do them and as people are able and willing to invite their neighbors in. So that's our next step is really get some of this stuff going on the ground, um, which all of us <clears throat> in our local pilots, we all 
tend to feel like it's going so slow. It's it's hard for us to remember to look back and celebrate all the small victories and big victories that we've had and all the things that have happened. But we're all, you know, just everyone's making some things happen, but we want to make more things happen. But if we can just start showing this, make it easier and easier, then then these things can start replicating and spreading much more quickly and easily and be able to, you know, again, we want to commission work from our friends and neighbors under these terms, have them tap in based on their skills and strengths, but then see that it's fun and start to see how they can, oh, well, maybe now I can um, do more of my video editing and maybe I can build my skills this way and build my context this way and maybe that takes the pressure off. I don't have to do as much of my grant writing job or I don't have to go work at the quick trip for 20 hours a week. I can work there for 15 hours a week or something like that to start displacing your need to make money in whatever system you might feel is more exploitative. Wow. Yeah. So, so brilliant. It's, it's like a way to bring back the essence, the essence of the economy I see as a a place where we come together to care for one another and it's become so abstracted and, and uh, I, I feel like what you're offering is, is bringing it back to that human level that does bring out the best in people, that gives us a clear way to both have, have it made visible in our communities, what, what assets and needs are, are there, and then gives us a variety of ways to engage uh, based on our interest and ability. And I, I just really uh, appreciate that non-hierarchical uh, way that uh, that the cooperative model is is really uh, based on. Thanks. Yeah, that's one of the things that I feel we, as the humans network and usually networks in this construct, that's one of the roles I think that we're filling that doesn't get filled as often in sort of the the economic activism piece is just realizing that changing the economy is a community organizing effort first and foremost. So in complementary currencies and in a lot of, in a lot of sort of organizing spaces about economics, it's really focused on the tools and it's important to have good tools and be clear about, what tools you need and why, but I think it's really easy to overestimate um, what the tools can do for you. Like it, it really, to me, in my mind, is about people learning to live differently in the world than they do, but people given the opportunity, I think really enjoy it because it's only, it's, it's uh, you know, the way we're living now in this hyper isolation of late capitalism and, insane disparities. Um, This is a really tiny, tiny, tiny snippet of the human experience, and it's so important to remember that because many of us are immersed in it and have been our whole lives, so we think it's normal, but it's far from normal, and it's existed a very short time span in all of human history, and it's still not the norm throughout the world, like what we're doing here. So it's very important to remember that and one thing one reason that time banking has uh, really struck me so much is I experienced that when I started the time bank here and I hear from a lot of people who experience it this way 
time making just really gives you the experiential learning of breaking your economy down into people and assets and needs in a way that we don't often get to experience otherwise. So I had really underestimated the power of everyone's time being valued equally and it being divorced from a monetary rate. I wasn't like totally excited about that when I started the time bank. But once I started the time bank, the power of that became apparent to me. And just the shift in consciousness it helps to bring where I feel like instead when you look around instead of lack, you see potential. And I, it doesn't do that for everybody, but it can do that for a lot of people. So that's, that to me really helps spark this idea of commission work from people and give people a chance to experience engaging in this way. And it doesn't have to be time banking itself. The time banking um, as a way to have people participate as equals is really important. Um, And sharing, I think, is really important to create opportunities for people to do that. Because once you do that, then I think people really connect I think in a bodily way, um, an emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical way, connect with the fact that that is the normal way to do things as a human. It feels right as a living being. We are built to live as an ecosystem. The fact that we breathe in and out and eat food and, you know, we are interconnected beings. And the more we get a chance to embody that and remember that, the more natural it feels in my experience and in the experience of a lot of people that I've interacted with. Yeah. Oh, I love that, that experiential part because so often people are like, Oh, uh, you know, economics is confusing or boring or some, and, and it's actually so embedded in, in the way that we operate as humans and can be something that brings us joy and, and systems of, um, of, like I said, caring for one another. So I love how you're, you're really like, uh, I feel like bringing color back into something that's been seen as black and white, the extractive growth economy and, and just uh, the way that is dehumanizing. So let's bring, bring out the best uh, in people again and, and let them experience something different. Um, super powerful. We're going to uh, take a quick break now. And uh, when we come back in just a minute, uh, if you want to think of some aha moment that really shifted your your paradigm in, in some way around money or or the work that you're doing in the economy, um, we'd love to hear about that uh, when we come back. And uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Are you ready to enjoy greater financial freedom? Perhaps you're like Emily, a creative entrepreneur who wants to increase her income to provide for her family. Using the free video training found at discoveryourtruewealth.com, she learned the secrets to accessing hidden resources and creating lasting wealth. Emily learned a persuasive negotiation technique to bring in more money with her top clients. She boosted her credit score and opened new financial doors while reducing expenses. And she took specific steps to strengthen her existing relationships and create a safety net for her business. With the Discover Your True Wealth training, thousands of women have improved their bank balances and secured their family's future. With this free video course, you'll transform beliefs, behaviors, and skills with money. 
Take charge of your financial situation with the training found at discoveryourtruewealth.com. Welcome back. We are here with Stephanie Rierich, uh, based in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, we're talking about the mutual aid networks. And uh, if you'd like to find out more, uh, the website's mutualaidnetwork.org. And uh, super exciting, just talking about humanizing the economy, creating opportunities for people to engage in, in uh, satisfying ways in, in their local communities and to uh, really uh, reimagine what the economy can be in service to uh, our communities and our planet. And uh, so, yeah, just so excited how you've been pioneering this and, uh, and, and how it's developing in these pilot sites and, and um, being applied in, in so many different ways. And I'm curious to hear, you know, um, you've been doing this for a while and uh, just would love to hear any um, certain aha moments uh, that you had that really did shift your ideas about money or the economy or, or what is possible? The biggest aha moment that I have to point to, I want, uh, yeah, anyhow, yes, I'm, I'm pleased to point to this. Um, it was in 2004 is actually what got me to change my life course and found the time bank and work toward this. Um, I, I was doing political work um, and, just running up against the understanding again that um, that everything I care about the economy pushes the wrong direction. So, in in my introduction, you mentioned the different things I do to make a living. That um, co-owner of a small little coffee house, and I used to work for Greenpeace, and I was active in an independent political party locally. Um, working on drug policy as a way to address the um, mass incarceration and racial disparity uh, tragedies we have going on here. Um, And I also work as a musician, and the economy kind of hates every one of those things and drives it the wrong direction. And I knew that it was the missing link of everything. Um, So... In 2004, things were kind of coming to a head for me and things I cared about in that direction. So I picked up this book called The Future of Money by Bernard Leotard. And this is particularly um, poignant for me right now because he just passed um, a little over a month ago. Um, But his book really changed my life, um, and I recommend checking it out. But The Future of Money, he the thing that he did that changed my whole worldview was he just described different ways that people at different times in human society have exchanged and shared. Um, He referred specifically to different times when there was a negative interest on money and that caused people to invest, um, invest preemptively in maintenance and caused them to invest in long-term projects, um, including building pyramids and cathedrals, um, he describes um, different gift economies, different ways that uh, that empires um, put taxes on on indigenous people in order to 
pretty much enslaved them to a new monetary system. So uh, anyhow, all these various ways that he described that people have shared and exchanged in different societies over time got me to realize, ah, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. And he goes on to describe current or more current applications of these things and described essentially what I think we have worked to in mutual aid networks. So he called it a robust currency system, and he described the vision for an ecosystem of different currency tools working alongside each other fluidly. And um, over time, I feel that's what we have striven to develop and what we've created in Mutual Aid Network. So to me, it's an honor um, to feel like we're carrying on his work right at this time that he's passed on. Um, so that was the biggest, that was the, that seriously gave me hope for the future for the first time as an adult. And that's not an overstatement. Um, I have felt like the trajectory is a downward spiral since I've been able to be politically and environmentally aware. And I, now I know that there is a way to change that. Um, I, it's not just a belief. I know it's true. Um, people have not operated this way most of the time, and it, it would be absurd for us to continue to operate the way that we're operating now that we know it's killing our species and every other species on the planet. So um, now that people know we're free to do something about it, I can't imagine uh, that we'll continue on this path. So we just need to get the invitations out quickly for people to to do something different before we drive drive up the rest of the way off the cliff. Um, yeah. So that's the biggest aha moment. And there have been a number of others like that I've seen with people in in person um, that go on. So. Yeah. Um, feel free to share uh, one of those if you'd like to. Yeah, well, I mean, so other ones have just, have been, I mean, not just been, they've been really significant, just um, especially since uh, starting the time bank. But um, going back to, uh, we, we uh, helped start Madison Hour's local currency back in 1995, 10 years before the beginning of the time bank. And each new iteration of, of economic learning and different kind of eco- economic participation has been a massive um, learning experience. But with the Time Bank, I mean, one, it, well, there have been a bunch, um, but the Time Bank has been particularly lovely at connecting people, who, especially um, people who get in the mental health system with a diagnosis and tend to feel so stigmatized by that. Um, just seeing people really blossom and be really excited to share their gifts and be, again, acknowledged for the things that they can contribute and to be valued as equals. So a time when someone was made aware that their one hour of work was was what was going to be charged for an hour of uh, dance movement therapy from a licensed therapist and just how powerful that felt and um, the tears in their eyes just, like, realizing, no, you don't have to work for... 15 hours to earn the right to go, you know, have one hour of a person's um, assistance. So that, so that, um, and another time when someone who had lived a very um, privileged life uh, became really 
surprised and moved when they became aware that someone they were working with as a peer and an equal was someone who had been experiencing homelessness um, and realizing that the person was a peer and an equal and not, you know, someone of a different kind of, like, you know, how people think of the homeless. Um, so just seeing the opportunity, you know, that that person felt it was a real gift and opportunity to not have been introduced to someone as like a category of person and to get to know them as a peer and an equal and then um, gain a new understanding of how people end up in circumstances where they don't have a home. Mm. Wow. That's, it's so beautiful how, how it, um, creating relationships and, and looking at what really matters most and, and where it's not charity and where everyone is, is valued as, as um, bringing something and, and uh, needing things too um, makes me think of uh, the work we've been doing with the Post Growth Institute. I've been working uh, there for a couple of years with Donnie McClurkin and we've developed this offers and needs market, which is a live in-person 90 minute um, event where people basically sit around small tables and go through a process of first identifying their offers um, and then sharing them in this rapid fire round robin around the table and then doing the same with their needs. And uh, as we've been running these events, uh, we're experiencing similar things to what you're speaking about, the homeless at the table with the wealthy and and where they're connecting as humans who both have needs and both have things of value and uh, such a great way um, for people to, to look outside the box of what they may have been paid as a professional um, to do and, and look at their variety of uh, knowledge and skills and interests, which may have never been monetized and maybe they're willing to barter or have have a variety of, of ways that they can um, qualify their offers and their needs as far as whether they want to pay for cash or have sliding scale or do it for free or barter. Um, so, you know, I feel like what, what we're both doing is, is building opportunities for relationship and connection and uh, curious uh, if you have any thoughts about um about why bringing people together in in the way that we're doing is is so important. Well, I just uh, just know from experience that uh, that people need it, that people want it, um, and especially when we're thinking about building a bridge from where this culture is today, that predominantly of the isolation and and um just sort of overwhelm i think i think you know that the system's competitive i don't think that we're all seeing ourselves in comp- constant competition except certain you know certain contexts but just that everyone's overwhelmed um like the amount of paperwork that it takes just to exist in this country continues to grow it seems um so people are starved for it, and they're not provided a lot of opportunities to interact that way um, and need some. So, again, it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying with people tend to overestimate what the tool is going to do. Like a lot of times people want to start a time make, and they think just making the software available is going to make the time make happen, but the bringing people together is the bridge that's needed. Um, I've found that in my travels 
pretty consistently is the time banks that that uh, regularly bring give opportunities for people to come together face to face. Uh, tend to do better because people get a chance to meet each other and see who they'll want to exchange with. And then also the time banks that have projects for people to attach to. So partly because it gives them another chance to come together face-to-face, but another piece that's important to me is it appeals to different types of motivations. Only some people are motivated to rebuild a community or to redo an economy. Um, and there are all kinds of cultural and social factors that play into who would be motivated for that and who would have time to um, devote to, to doing that. Whereas, you know, if there's a project to have uh, more childcare available after school or if there's a project to have gardens planted and make food available or a project to weatherize houses, it's going to appeal to different people for different reasons and create more points of attachment. So all of that face-to-face stuff um, is just valuable because it is valuable um, and intrinsically, and it's valuable because it helps people learn, relearn that stuff and start to meet each other and see how they'd like to exchange and collaborate in ways that they won't think of otherwise. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so true and and so satisfying. You can see people just open up and and especially with so much technology and screens uh, I, f- I feel like we do need to remember how to look in someone's eyes and say I care about your needs and I, I want to listen and give you my full attention and and I feel like that is so important for reweaving our our community um, so over the years that you've uh, been been doing this what what are some of the the key things that you've learned or things that you know for certain? The key things that I have learned, well, I would say the key thing that I have learned and that I feel I know for certain is it's possible to do this and it's possible to do it soon and quickly. Um, And I feel like I know that. (laughs) There feels it feels nice to to know that um, I, that I believe that a much more beautiful future is possible and possible soon. Um, and some of the things that I've learned, um, well, we've we've learned a whole lot. I mean, one of the one of the things that we exist to do with our pilot sites is just show the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, we've learned and we've known all along. It would be difficult. So the fact that I say I know it's possible, um, that's very comforting, and I do know it's possible, and I do know that it's difficult to get there, even though it's it's very, you know, kind of simple on its face. We need to share and cooperate with one another, and we can network our networks to do that really robustly. I, I believe we could do that tomorrow. Um, it's complicated because everyone has their own individual life and sets of baggage and sets of demands on them and every organization has its own organizational culture and decision-making processes and functions and dysfunctions. And um, and every movement has different aspects of that. And there are always complications with working together, collaborating politically. There are complications with who does something first, with what's held up. Um, there are complications, and, and rightfully so, about, like, colonizing the 
the the colonization of the new economy movement and things like that, like just making sure, getting, making sure that, that, you know, for example, um, we're not claiming to have invented mutual aid networks, that we're not claiming to have invented time banking, that we're not claiming to have invented sharing or, um, and that people are right, you know, they're holding up each other's efforts and um, working to be complementary and supportive, lurking, work, learning how to compete healthily. And um, yeah, so anyhow, there's all that stuff um, that's been huge amounts of learning that we keep learning more every day and just work on supporting each other to navigate it and not expect that anyone's going to create anything that just makes it easy. Um, that that we can create help and support for each other to know, you know, know what's likely to come up and and try to do well and be graceful and navigate it and not, um, you know, not replicate mistakes as much as we can avoid. Mm. Thanks for your authenticity there. I just really appreciate that um, reality of, you know, we are humans learning to how to participate, how to be in relationship in, in good ways, how to make clear exchanges, how to express our value, how to have boundaries. And, and it does, it, it gets messy and, and that's inevitably part of um, any collaboration or community or, or society is, is how we, you know, have, have the tools and ability to, uh, you know, move, move through those, those challenges. So really appreciate that. Um, if people are listening right now and super interested, um, could you, do you have one, one suggestion, um, that listeners may be able to do a step in their own lives? Um, or is there, or you can also tell us more about, um, you know, upcoming programs or ways they can get plugged into your work. Great. Yes. I would love, um, I would love for people to look at mutualaidnetwork.org. Um, there's, uh, it's, it's in progress all the time, but there's a little video there that we made a couple of years ago, um, that I think gets across what we're aiming to do, um, and you can join the Humans Global Cooperative Network. So it's a co-op, and you can become a member. There's a fee that's sliding scale, and you can um, you can become a member without money if you uh, would rather contribute in a different way. And becoming a member gives you an opportunity to participate in, uh, for example, in my local pilot project, we can make requests for people to help us with graphics for our fundraising campaign. And you, wherever you are, can offer to help and you can earn hours that way and you can learn how to use the system and and get your feet wet. Um, so that's one thing. You can join a pilot site if you're in an area with a pilot site. Also, uh, join your local time bank if you have one going. Um, so... So those are some of the things that I would point to. So you can find a lot of things at mutualaidnetwork.org, and you can use that to point you to other places. Um, There's a tools and training page that points to a number of things, and also you can contact me or other uh, people in the humans through that website. So for me, that's a a place to look. Um, 
and then you can let us know if there are other things you're looking for. And in your own life, I'd say if you have a time exchange or other kind of community currency or cooperative learning efforts to just poke around and see what's available locally. Um, and don't be afraid to, um, don't if, if you have the wherewithal, don't be afraid to look into starting stuff if you don't see things that are meeting your needs locally. Um, and that's one of the things that we're aiming for too in, in humans is to make ways for people to find other local people who um, who might share some of their goals. So those are the those are the first things I would suggest. And feel free to be in touch with us. Um, that's that's the point is for us to really um, offer people a chance to connect with other people who want to do similar things. Love that. Fantastic. Um, so here in, in the closing here, I'm curious if you have a key mes- message that you'd like to share with people or some closing thoughts. Uh, the key message is we're free to create the economy and community we want to live in. And it might sound like might sound like a tall order, but once we start getting together and finding each other, we can do it together. Um, I really love the John Lennon and Yoko Ono phrase, and I really believe it. A dream we dream alone is only a dream. A dream we dream together is reality. Mm. Oh, I love that too. And uh, so appreciate how you really uh, carry that spirit in your dedication to this work in the way that you are um, really uh, bring, uh, unearthing the, the existing value in communities through this, uh, this system and just uh, see it as a, a brilliant example of a feminine economy that is networked, that is about relationships and caring for one another and the way that you've been a leader as a woman and able to to see that bigger picture and integrate many people and, uh, you know, de- develop relationships um, that strengthen the whole of the community. And uh, I, I really see that we are wealthy beyond measure that there is so much value beyond what can be put a price tag on. And uh, it's so important for people to hear that and experience it and, and be able to live in a way where they are feeling valued and honored and participating in a way that, that is satisfying and that ultimately uh, they can feel a deep sense of belonging. And so thank you for creating uh, the opportunity and space for so many people to, to experience what is possible in, in a new economy. Uh, and thank you for your wisdom here you shared on the show today. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com. That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s.com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve.